Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. Yeah, well, Troy, we're episode three. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And yeah, this topic's going to be pretty interesting. Um, so you came, you gave the topic idea of wanting to talk about leadership. And I'm not going to lie, at first I was a little bit like, I don't understand what, what he wants to talk about. But as we started like going over, over our notes and um, what we want to talk about, I think, I think it's actually going to be really interesting um, to, to hear what, what you have to say and, and what we can do to be leaders. And so um, I just kind of want to come up out front and just kind of, you know, when I hear the word leader or like lead, Right. So so I'm in the medical profession and um, going through college and pharmacy school and stuff. It was always kind of like, oh, you need to be a leader so then you can have like a good resume. And so then you do like all this extra Mm. stuff. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you need to always be a leader. If you're not a leader, like it's not, you know, like you're not doing what you need to be doing. And so that word kind of has some baggage with me. Um, And it always seems to be like people are kind of pushing this like leadership thing and in my experience so you can do some of the work for them um that they need to do and that's in like a professional setting obviously the church is different but um you know what what do you feel like just defines leadership like when you say like you want to talk about leadership what does that mean yeah good question so i think first and foremost like I think leadership is pinned into a dichotomy and it's pinned into a dichotomy against like followers. So there's leaders and then followers. And I believe like full heartedly that that's a false dichotomy just straight up. And the reason I think it's a false dichotomy is because I believe that, uh, you know, as, as one that follows Jesus, that Jesus himself shows us that there's, there is following and leading, but we're both simultaneously. So just to like break that down a little bit further, like I think that we are both followers and leaders. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's fear, maybe it's insecurity, maybe it's, um, I don't know, maybe it's just shirking responsibility that sometimes we just avoid leadership because of the way that uh, our culture or world uh, characterizes what a leader is. I, leaders, leadership's not about being first or having power or any of these things. I, leadership. And I think that's is, it. I think, I think you were just saying like the leadership has the power. I think that that's a lot to do with it. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit more too, because I think okay. like in, in Portland, I've had friends who, when they, like when I became a Christian, they were, they would ask me, they'd be like, 
So how, like, why are you a part of an organization that just like abuses its power or like throws its power around? And I think that Mm -hmm. that has kind of like a lot of connotations with people when it comes to like leadership, especially in the church. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, general, in general, the West, and I described the West of North America is, uh, I'm, I'm definitely generalizing, but is more anti-establishment and institution than maybe America as a whole. Like, you know, the whole uh, stereotype that the East is more, you know, conservative and the West is more liberal. There's some truth to that in the sense that that uh, the West tends to be wary of things that would tend to put controls on a person or a group of people's freedoms. So, in general, I think we we all kind of have been affected by that in the Northwest, um, that general vibe. And and because I lived on both coasts, like I lived in Florida, and Florida, it's like everybody expects the leader to lead the charge. In in the, in the Northwest, when I moved out here, like everybody expects to be included in all decision making. So it's like two sides of this very weird coin where one was like, oh, we, we love leaders. We believe in them. We're going to put all our trust in them. And the other that was like, ah, I'm not sure about leaders. It's just they seem to use their powers in evil ways. And I think the answer is like both sides are right. And there's something of a balance to be found uh, in leadership that, that I think that Christ points us to that balance if that makes sense you know i think too um coming back to your point about the west coast being more like independent you know i think it's just that lewis and clark oregon trail kind of thing right like the rugged individualists trekking across the country to like take out their their plot of land you know they don't want anybody telling them what to do um and yeah yeah i i i really like how how you know it took me a while to realize um like jesus style leadership like like yeah you know, there's, there's, you know, the, I forget the verse in the Bible where Jesus talks about like, oh, who's the greatest among you? It's the one who's the least and who serves, right? Um, yeah. And yep. yeah, you know, it took me a while to really deconstruct that, that leadership um, model. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's part of like a continuum too, because like, like we lead from the example that's been set for, for us. You know what I mean? So like, we're always we're always leading not because we have found the new light or the new ideas or we are pioneering some new path we're always leading from the example set before us like nothing new is under the sun so so we have to be as good at following under the leadership of god in as a christian and and in any institution i guess this applies but under the influence of god we have to be just as good following as we are at leading in and it's I think I think what our culture maybe tends to lead towards is leaders are innovators and not everybody's an actual innovator. You know, not everybody's like super creative or not everybody's a visionary. That's true. And so not all leaders can be visionaries or creators or innovators. You know what I mean? Like there is a variety of, of leadership. And I think I think Jesus puts the leadership model perfectly when he says you know, when he washes the disciples' feet. Like I love John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And the scripture said he sets the example to his disciples of how they are to uh, to lead others. That You know, they're, they're leading from their knees. They're embracing 
you know, a dependency. Jesus was de- embracing a dependency on his father, but he was like humbling himself even to men to lift them up, to esteem them, to clean them. And, you know, that's, that's not hoarding power at all. That's in fact, like giving it away as fast as you possibly can. And I just love that picture. Yeah. You know, I, I love that model of, of leadership and, you know, I, I'm not going to admit that I'm, or I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on leadership, but I have read um, one book. It was recommended to me by a um, pharmacy technician who was working with me, who was in business school and it's called the servant, a simple story about the true essence of leadership. And it's by this guy named James C. Hunter and Hmm. A brilliant book. If, if you've never read it, um, it's worth it. So it's a story about this guy who's like the CEO and he like has everything, the money, the cars, like his, you know, his family has a huge house. And yet he realizes like his wife doesn't really like him. His kids don't have a relationship with him and he's not happy. And so he goes on this retreat mm-hmm. to this monastery where apparently there's this like brilliant CEO guy who does who like gave up his life of business to become a monk and has like business leadership seminars in his monastery and so it's the story of this guy like sitting with these other people um just going through leadership and it's like there's a mom in the group there's a military like drill sergeant there's this ceo guy and so the whole point of the book is just kind of showing how everybody can be a leader. It doesn't mean you're just a business guy, like a mom at home taking care of like kids and, and running the family. That's, being yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, leading people in like the military, obviously that's a, that's a, you know, explicit example of being a leader. But um, the thing that I took away from it is, you know, if you think of like a, a triangle, you know, at the, at the top is the CEO and then below him is like managers. And then below that is like the workers and then outside of the triangle underneath it is like the customers, right? And mm. so when you look at mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like, you know, the importance goes upward, right? And um, this book talks about how if you flip that upside down, right, and you have the customers yeah. at the top, and then you have like the, the workers and the, you know, right below them, but at the top of the triangle, and then the managers and then the CEO. And instead of being a top down, like leadership thing, it's the bottom is trying to empower the top to fulfill their job as best they can. I think that they just describe how that's like servant leadership. Like you're a servant for the people quote below you. Um, And yeah, I think that can work in a church context too. Obviously the book is kind of in a church context, but the way it's written, but um, I've always, anytime I've heard of leadership, that's kind of how I wish that it was always like for everything. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of my mentor slash friends slash, you know, used to be my boss, um, people in my life, his name's Les, Les Zolbrecht. He used to be a mountaineering guide, uh, leading treks and expeditions, um, pretty big mountains in all over the world. And he was a camp director at Big Lake Youth Camp, a youth camp that I worked at uh, when I was taking classes in college during the summers. So Les used to have this he, he talked about this concept of like the, the, the hero's story. Uh, there's this like the hero's journey, uh, this, this kind of picture uh, cast by this guy named Joseph Campbell. And he talked about like just the arc, the narrative arc of every hero. But, but in that hero's journey, Les would always say like, what if we as an organization positioned the guest as the hero of the story? So at, at Big League Youth Camp, 
you know, when the kid comes for summer camp, what if all the staff at camp realize that that kid's the hero of the story and our job is to help them see it? You know what I mean? And so I think the same can be applied to the church where this is not about us, the church, building the church, you know, where we talk about the brand, you know, we're this church, we're that church. And we want our, we, 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 we place ourselves in the narrative as the hero. No. What if like the, the nobody that we haven't even met yet is the hero and they're starting to see it by the way that we're approaching them in our ministry approach. You know what I mean? Like, so like our, our, our leading, you know, would be, positioned at actually placing the emphasis on those who are not even in the spotlight or overlooked or you know are just ignored um and i used to i i love that picture i still think about it often um but i started working at big lake um just as a fresh new believing christian literally my first year my first summer after making a decision to follow christ and, and and choosing to be baptized Um, I started working and, you know, they placed us, you know, I was a counselor. So they placed me in, in the cabins every week, watching up to 12 kids, 12 boys. And, and every week we have a new round of up to 12 new boys, anywhere from, you know, seven to up to 17 years old, depending on the age bracket for that particular week. And we were expected as counselors to foster a spiritual environment and like give worships to our cabin each night to pray with our campers to 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 influence them positively for Jesus. And I remember Les talking to me. Uh, we had a personal conversation one time, and he said that my goal for every week was to influence others towards the good that's that's found in Christ. And that that you know, like I had to own my authority that I had over these kids, and I. I was really skeptical. Like, I just didn't really believe that I had any influence at this point in my life because I was like fresh out of, well, I was fresh out of my first year of college, fresh out of just being baptized and becoming a believer and starting to give worships. Like, what idea did I have about giving worship? I had none, you know? So I remember, okay, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put my heart into this, even though I don't have technical skills to lead in this way. Um, and I remember, you know, I had this really challenging group of kids and one of them came from a super dysfunctional home and his name was Ray and Ray, like the second week, I think it was my second week at camp. Ray had come out of a DHS type situation, um, where, you know, he was bouncing from house to house. He had absent parents where he told me during that week that his mom would like leave him. He was 11. His mom would leave him with her credit card with her with his little brother who was like six and be gone for two or three weeks oh, man, that's, alone. That's sad. And he's 11 years old. Right. So like the, the second or third night of camp, Ray has a terrible night nightmare because he has night terrors every night. He's you know, he has traumatic experiences that like cause these like night terrors. And he is in the top bunk and he falls out of the top bunk and he breaks a bone in his arm like the second day of camp. And so I'm like spending a lot of time one-on-one with Ray because he can't do any of the activities now. And nobody wants him to leave camp. Like DHS wants him to stay there. His parents are just not in the picture and everything. And so I just remember, you know, sharing, you know, about uh, sharing hope with the kid and faith and like trying to share Jesus. And 
it was pretty cool because he was really upset the first few days. And as the week progressed towards the end of the week, um, Ray, Ray told me in a private conversation, he's like, you know, I think I'm starting to really like this place. I don't really want to go home. Uh And, you know, it just, I spent a lot of time with him and I realized, man, like this Jesus thing is really starting to hit him because the last night of camp, um, they always had like plays every night. They have dramas each night and he started to sing the songs in the worship and he started to get emotional during the play, you know, and that was about Jesus. And I was like, oh my goodness, like the, the influence that I have, I guess, um, and that this place has, this this atmosphere has, has really made a difference. And I started to believe that God had given me an influence and, and less reinforced that in me. And so, you know, I I never would have called myself a leader, but God was kind of showing me, uh, you know what, there's a part about leading that you just have to be bold and courageous, even though you don't have the experience. And I think I think what you just said about, you just said it right there. Um, I didn't think I was a leader or I didn't, may not have even like wanted to be a leader it's not like the way i see you know it's it's not about oh i want to like power grab i want to do this because if you like wanted the prestige of being a camp counselor you know i don't know if maybe yeah. you would have been as as impactful in ray's life right and that's that was a beautiful story by the way thank you for sharing that yeah i mean you changed that kid's life forever right and it was like your your motivation behind it wasn't to have a title or to have, be looked up to by like all the other camp people it was to you know impact these kids lives and to to do to do something meaningful right it, and i think that's that's where like the motivation lies i think i think if people are trying to just like you said do the do a power grab try to have influence and, and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. um i don't think that they can make these impactful things and actually like change change somebody's life i mean you can i guess but you're fo- inward yeah. focused not outward focused right yeah it's it is surprising i think that god i mean the people that volunteer to lead everything are usually not the people you want to be your leaders in general and then the people who have skills at leading but yet don't want it tend to be the the types of people that that tend to do a really good job leading, um, and that motive part, I think you you hit on that. That motive part is really important. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I think a lot of it. God uses leadership t- to make leaders too. You know, like uh, I, at my last church that I pastored, one of the elders, you know, I asked him to preach, and he really never preached, and he, I gave him like a month's notice, so he had a ton of time to prepare and. And, you know, I talked with him through some of the content. He shared with me his ideas. And, and we, we worked together a little bit to form this, this sermon. And, um, and he gave the sermon. And he's like, you know, I really am glad I got to preach that sermon because I felt like the whole month I was really digging into the Word. I was really uh, intentional about uh, preparation because I knew I had a responsibility to people and it, and the sermon prep kept me accountable to my own spiritual growth and i thought that that was a really cool thing because i f- i feel like leadership if a person chooses to pursue uh, using influence or using their influence for other it calls people to another level that they never would have reached or they never would have seen 
unless they'd chosen to say yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, you know, in the medical field, like they say, see one, do one, teach one, right? And so I think a lot of people um, who could maybe teach are kind of stuck in the see, right? So instead of seeing, Mm -hmm. then they do, then they teach, you know? And I think that just getting, getting out there and, you know, if somebody has a a skill or a talent or if they're feeling prompted by the spirit to do something just do it yeah you know and then people will follow right and um i think that could be that could be a way to to exert leadership skills so um we're gonna take yeah. a little break and uh catch us back on the other side of a break and we're gonna continue this discussion we're back thank you for listening to the second half so troy so we're in the middle of of a worldwide crisis right now uh coronavirus you know is it's just wrecking havoc in society and i think a lot of people are looking for direction um especially spiritual direction and you know the the early church i remember in another podcast i was talking about how a lot of people became christians because it was the Christians who were going into the plague ridden neighborhoods and like tending the sick. Right. Mm. And so I think Mm -hmm. the church has an excellent history of being like worldwide leaders has kind of a bumpy history too, but I think the good definitely outweighs the bad when it comes to just the self sacrifice, self giving love that the church has shown throughout history. And so, you know, what, what, can the church do now in this crisis to be a leader and specifically like what can we do to be like a Jesus style leader in the world right now? Yeah. So yeah, just to to touch on that point of like crisis thing, uh, like what did Jesus do to be a leader or to lead out of his faith during those crises? I think that that's where I always start. Um, Cause like, I mean, there was, there was the collision of empires happening in Jesus's time. You know what I mean? Like Rome and Rome. Yeah. yeah, Israel. Like it was, it was this, this merging of, of political tensions and kind of Jesus coming in at at just the right time um, at these collision of empires to, I don't know, lead a new revolution, you know, so this kingdom of God versus Rome versus Judaism. And, he did not shy away from it, but he actually went, you know, close to people um, and brought, you know, brought this new message to them personally. And a lot of times he was bringing something into people's world in which their world was full of chaos, harm, disease, anxiety, shame, condemnation, like all these kinds of things that he just walked right into the middle of, you know, and, and, and what did he do? Like, first and foremost, I think the first thing he did is he was non-anxious. He was, he was a man of peace. Like, I think if I was to encounter Christ in my life in some of my big storms in my, you know, seasons of discouragement or depression or anx- anxiousness or whatever, I think, you know, the peace of Jesus would be profound, you know, for anybody in that situation. Um, some of my saving graces in those moments of anxiousness or depression was a calm, cool, collected mentor who kind of extended his peace into my world, you know, like where they were not scared of what I was sharing with them. But, but those individuals who, who are pillars of peace to me made me feel like, oh, well, maybe this is just a, 
a construction of my imagination and this anxiety is not actual reality. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's the first thing that we have to offer to a world that's really scared is peace, is peace. Um, you know, and coming faith. from a liturgical background, you know, Catholicism, um, there, you know, we would always say like, peace be with you and also with you. Right. And it yeah. gets so routine after a while that it doesn't even have any meaning, but yeah, coming, coming back to it now, wishing each other like, Hey, the peace of Jesus be with you. Right. It's, it, mm. it can actually mean a lot, especially when times are hard, when times are easy, it's like, Oh yeah, peace, whatever. But when like, your job's on the line and there's no food at the store and people are acting crazy and you don't know if you're going to get sick or not, you know, to everyone listening, I pray that the peace of Jesus goes on you and mm. you know, it, it, that the spirit can really like, you know, bring you the peace that our Lord has. Right. And I think that that's something yeah. too, that, you know, peace and, and not only peace, but it can bring courage when we should be afraid. Right. And I think we talked about this mm. in the first episode, you know, having, the church be courageous in this time and, and, and speaking the truth and love to the world that, Hey, like this isn't the end. There's more to life than what's going on in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can offer that peace and that courage from Jesus because he's been here and he's done yeah. that. Right. And I think that can, that can just be like conversations with friends when they're anxious and they're like, why aren't you, why are, why are you like, okay, well, because Jesus lives inside me, right? And I mm. think that that's being a leader too, right? It's not so much yeah. a title and just doing a job, but it's about being like the voice of reason in a time of like insanity can be yeah, being a leader, right? And that doesn't take any prestige or honor. And in fact, you know, it's the people who are doing things like that at the ground level that that really can change lives, you know? Yeah, it's hard to have any sense of urgency when you are living in relative peace, you know. And so when you say peace, peace during that season, it's cliche. It's like, okay, yeah, I have peace. You know what I mean? There's no there's no sense of like, oh, I really need this. But now it's like that's what everybody really needs. And so I feel like part of our spiritual discipline of just spending time with Jesus is actual preparation for times like this. You know, it's actual warm up for when we're going to need to be the peace of Jesus in the world. Um, and, and this is when the church really shines. Like I've, I, I remember listening to a pastor who uh, ministered down in, in uh, Louisiana during the aftermath of hurricane Katrina. And, and he was just talking about how, how effective the church was at being compassionate and also like just helpful in times of massive destruction where people had lost their homes and their livelihood and their businesses and everything had been flooded, the church was there. They showed up, you know, to help rebuild and to console people and to, to deal with the, the grief that came with all of that. And, and I think that's like, that's where we should be shining, you know, is in the devastation. And so, yeah. And I think just showing up, like you said, like the fact that the church showed up when people needed help. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think just, you know, your friends in trouble and like they're they're self-isolated, right? And nobody's talking to anybody. A phone calls showing up, right? You're 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 being a leader in that relationship, right? You're you're being exactly. a leader in, you know, one-on-one interactions, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I've heard so many definitions about what leadership is. And I think one of them that I really like is like leadership is doing what's right when it's needed. You know, it's just that it's that very simplistic idea of like, oh, a leader's just like the person that does what needs to be done, you know, in a, in the moment, you yeah, know, that's cool. I like and that a lot. it's just super simple and it's just about initiative and following through on your convictions, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think in a crisis, you know, what's needed right now is just people to take initiative to, to be there for the people that really need somebody to be there, you know, and that, well, and that looks different now for our time, you know, than any other time yeah, especially too that works great when you're actually with people <laughs> and when you're yeah. actually leaving your house and when you're actually yeah. like in society but we're all stuck at home i mean we're all like yeah. in a you know 600 square foot apartment alone or with you know, whoever living with you or whatever and like oh man how do you lead when you're not out in society when you're just at home how do you lead yeah. Well, I mean, the model for leadership always starts with like, how do you lead your own life? You know, like, how do you lead your own life? And I think one of the those anchor passages for me, you know, in scripture is first Timothy and, and Paul is writing to a young leader, you know, a young leader, a spiritual leader. And he's describing to this young spiritual leader, what he what the young spiritual leader Timothy should look for in other leaders of their faith community. So they call them the overseers, or you might call it an elder, or however your Bible might translate it. But First Timothy 3, uh, Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, overseer desires, uh, desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And I love that, that idea because I think that in there, Paul is, is communicating wisdom about like how you progress in your influence as a leader. So your influence starts with you, right? You have to be self-controlled and respectable and hospitable and able to teach as a, as a person. But then you also have to be able to manage your own affairs, your, your family, your children. Like if you're not able to influence your family in positive ways and, and, and lead by example in your own home, then what right do you have to be bringing your influence out in public and saying that you know you know how to move people in the right direction? You know what I mean? So it's this picture of like, you know, getting your own heart right with God personally and learning to let God just reshape you from the inside out um, to be able to lead your own life with integrity. And then using that, what the wisdom of what you learned and to influence the, the people closest to you. And then from that point, taking it out into a more broad public, you know, public influence yeah, and it makes so much sense too because the church is supposed to be a family it's god's family yeah. on earth right and so it makes yeah. sense when paul says like if they can't manage their own family of like you know five to whatever people how can they take care yeah. of 
a family of hundreds of people, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so this could be a good this could be a good opportunity for people. I know I know that it's hard to find opportunity and good things and what's going on, but an opportunity for people to to practice servant leadership at home, right? And the, the yeah, practice with yeah. their families and to to really like you know if there's bumpy roads going on, maybe now that you're stuck together, yeah. this is a good time to pray about it and hash it out and you know yeah. work on just just leading Jesus style in in your own family yeah i think this is a season of renovation for individuals and families um especially heart renovation i mean like one of the things that's that's coming out is that um people that are in abusive relationships are suffering more now because of house arrest because a lot of the the unhealth in those individuals and in those relationships is really just this becoming evident and shining brighter now that there's st- that people are stuck in closer proximity to others. Like uh, the divorce rate in China has actually been going up because I think what we're seeing is that uh, individual stewarding, like managing your own life, has not been going very well in China. And so, so if you think about managing your own life going not well, well, that's not going to lead to relational health. And so families are not really relating very well to each other. And so these families are just breaking down because now that there's a house arrest uh, or not house arrest, but a, a stay at home, you know, ban, um, the, the underdevelopment of one's character is just shining. You know, it's, it's much more evident. It's shining brighter than, than, than it used to before when you could spend all your time outside your house. And so I think what God is allowing to happen is he's bringing us back to you get a redo on how you want to lead your life, you know, and let me shape you from the inside out. Let me shape you around, you know, wholeness, you know, and and not out of uh, brokenness. Let me shape you into rest and not into busyness. Let me shape you into the person I want you to be. And then let me shape your relationships with your family over again. Like we get this incredible opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity to allow God to just do this renovation in our, in our lives. And, and I think out of that, the fruit of that is going to be greater spiritual influence because I think what, what, what the world needs to see is whole people loving holy, you know, and, and that's the greatest, you know, that's the greatest influence you'll ever share in in your Christian walk is to be able to influence and witness for Christ as to who he really is in your own person. Um, That's beautiful, man. I'm I'm excited to see what God's gonna do, do in the world. And like you said, I think it's a time of healing for a lot of people. I think it. I think God's working on a lot of people's yeah. hearts. Um, I'm I'm excited to see if the church just gets just blows up when when it, we come back and everyone you know wants to yeah. get closer to God. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so we're we're getting a little uh, on our podcast here, a little a little long. So Troy, was there any like closing statements yeah. you wanted to make? So yeah. So how can we lead from our homes now effectively? Well, you know, just to review, lead ourselves well. Like we get to lead ourselves well. You know, work on the relationships. One thing that I've got to work on is my marriage. Yeah, I'm spending more time with my wife, and we're working through some of the things that we haven't been able to work through just because of the lack of time. You know, an investment. And so we're getting to do that. And, and the fruits of that have been beautiful. And then further, like we get to use our voices to to transmit to the world. Um, 
in 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 ways that we never could have imagined. One thing that I saw this past week, as watching this this guy follow Devon Franklin, and he was talking with this guy he used to work with in Hollywood. Um, I think he's a, an author and a producer and whatnot. And this guy was talking about faith, and this guy was not a really a Christian. But you know the look of somebody who's just coming under conviction for the first time, like his, like where his eyes and his body posture was just like receptive to every single word that was coming off of Devon's to this guy's tongue. Like what I was seeing in this is literally somebody's like heart was opening up to God in real time on Instagram live. You know what I mean? And I'm watching this in real time, like just seeing oh my goodness, like God is pulling this guy who's like an author author and movie producer into faith through Instagram. That's crazy to me. And and so like, I mean, that gets me so excited that the power of God is just reaching people all over the place. And D- Devon was talking to him, Devon Franklin. If you ever want to look him up on Instagram, he's a, he's a Seventh-day Adventist actually, a movie producer. Um, but anyway like just through this Instagram live thing, like he's sharing his faith in a way that's transforming this other guy's life. And it was just amazing to see. So never undervalue your own voice. Like if you allow God to to shape you and to change your motivations to be all about his, like he will use you to be a witness in some powerful ways. So, yeah. Oh man, that's a great story. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, well, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, I haven't been mentioning this, but uh, you should subscribe to the podcast. So that way, whenever we release new episodes, you'll hear it, hear about it and it'll alert you. Um, share this podcast with your friends. Share it with our Crosspoint Church community. Share it with other church people that you know, um, other churches in the denomination or other churches that just you know of. Um, we just want everybody to hear this and to, to really feel moved by the spirit and, and come together uh, through this podcast. And so, uh, Troy, would you uh, mind leading us in prayer? And yeah. We'll see you all next time. Oh, God, we thank you so much for being uh, a good, good father, for just loving us and being patient and merciful and, and compassionate. You see us in a, in, a, in a disarray right now because of COVID-19. You see our world um, struggling under the weight of fear and anxiousness. But God, we, we crave for your comfort. We crave for your peace and we crave your intervention. We crave your healing and your protection. We, we, we just pray that as this season progresses until, until you put an end to it, Lord, we pray that the deep, deep uh, healing would take place in hearts in relationships, in life rhythms and lifestyles. Um, we pray that your your work would just go, go out unrestricted, that you would thwart, thwart the plans of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy lives. We pray that you would raise up a group of people to share faith and to use their influence in a way that would profoundly in, impact so many people uh, for, for your good. And we just know that you are um, at work, your spirit is alive. And so we thank you for that. Um, Bless all of our listeners who are here today listening to this podcast and help them to see what you see in them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king, but Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. God bless.